It's good to see you all this morning. Just want to first thank, um, of course, just thank our pastors and for just giving me this opportunity to share this word with you all. And also want to thank um, Devon for just being um, a sign of strength and endurance in the things of God to help pull us further. And just for him asking me to uh, just stand with him as we share the word. So I just pray your heart to be open this morning as I share. It's dark in here. Oh, you work on it? Yeah, so um, yeah, so I just want to just thank you all again. So the topic, I'm going to just jump right into it. I'm not going to take too long. I mean, I'm not, I know Pastor is infamous for that, but, <laughs> but we're going to just jump right into this. Um, this is, this is a, a message as well that I think, in a sense, some of the stuff that I'm going to share was, has been taught, you know, kind of just one-sided a bit. But I think also that God is, in this season, he's trying to get a message out to the church to just really help the church to understand um, his patient love for us. I think a lot of times we take for granted God's love. Um, and we don't, I guess for a lack of better words, our hearts are not really open. It's kind of like one of those things I was talking to my wife, like familiarity breeds contempt. So it makes you become like inconsiderate of God's love. You know, we kind of take it for granted. But the topic that I wanted to talk about was um, patient love, a promise keeper. A promise keeper. So we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. We know that this is a scripture since we are on the month of love that we have been speaking about, um, or Passover has been speaking about. But I'm going to jump into it. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secrets and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge would become useless, but love would last forever. So, the, so one thing I kind of want our goal to be this morning is just, as I was saying before, to just understand how God's love is extended to the body of Christ. Uh, yeah, I'll wait for that. So we'll, go, we'll jump into the next scripture. Nehemiah 9, verse 30. In your love, you were patient with them for many years. You sent your spirit who warned them through the prophets, but still they wouldn't listen. 
So once again, you allowed, you allowed the peoples of the land to conquer them. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. I'm going somewhere with this. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Not the world, the church. He's being patient for the church's sake. Because he doesn't want nobody in the church to be destroyed, but he wants everyone in the church to come into repentance. So a lot of times we read that scripture, and that scripture we see it as an evangelism piece. Like we need to go and preach the gospel because God don't want nobody to perish, which is true. But Paul was writing this letter to Peter and also to the church, basically saying that God in his love wants for us to understand that he doesn't want nobody in the church to perish. Because just you believing in Jesus Christ is not going to get you to heaven. That's, that's just a bold fact. The word says that if you love me, you'll do what I say. So what God is trying to get the church to understand is we can't live and do anything anyhow and expect that we're going to end up making it into heaven. So in, in the scripture, God is talking about, of course, I was saying the, about the church. Um, we need to really get acquainted with repentance. So I'm going to kind of just deviate a bit, a little bit. This week, I was hanging out with one of my brothers this week, and we were talking about the church and about leaders in the church because I've always been baffled how people can rise that high in God and then they end up crashing. Like that has been one thing I've been studying for a long time. Like, how could you get that close to God walking with him like that? And then you could end up being enticed by the devil to destroy what you spent 20 and 30 years to gain, to lose it in an hour or in two hours. Like, how does that happen? And what the Lord was telling me was that, in part, that happens because a lot of people depend on their anointing more than their obedience. So he said, because when people, when you're disobedient, you know, and then the anointing still works and make you think that what you're doing, that God is just turning his face, that he's winking at it. But in actuality, let's think about what happened with Samson, right? So Samson was a mighty man of God and he had an anointing for strength. But because he was disobedient, meaning that his parents couldn't talk to him. His parents were telling him, he was saying, you know, give me this woman over here. I want this woman. I want this woman. His parents said, can't you find anybody in the, house of Ju in, in the house of Israel? You can't find somebody amongst God's people. You have to go to the world. He was like, give me this person. Give me, I want this woman. So right there showed he broke a commandment. But even though he broke the commandment at that moment to be disobedient, he wasn't obeying and honoring his parents. God still used him with the anointing to have strength to be able to destroy, um, you know, his enemies. So I guess the point I'm trying to bring to, to everybody to see here is, um, I've said it before and I say it again, the anointing is not what makes you, it's your obedience. You have to get to the place, I'm speaking to the church and specifically to leaders in the church. 
you have to get to the place where your obedience is what you depend on. Your obedience, I don't say it trumps your anointing, but you don't depend on your anointing to basically, um, because the, at the end of the day, whatever is in you is what you're going to impart to other people. So if you are preaching a good word and living a good word, um, I'm, I'm preaching and showing off a good word, but you're not living that in your personal life, you're going to impart that into other people. And you're going to end up being held accountable for that. 2 Peter 3, 15-16. Um, and remember, our Lord's patience give people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of the scripture, and this will result in their destruction. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 12. So before I jump into that scripture... We know that the Bible, we know that the Jews were God's chosen people. Yet there were some, even though they knew what was right from wrong, right? They still sinned and they didn't end up in the promised land. So in the same token, there's many people that are in the church and they, and they belong to God. But because of their disobedience and their sin, they will not make it into the promised land of heaven. This is a warning to the church because God is trying to get the church to wake up specifically in the U.S. A lot of us in the church in the, in, in the U.S., I'm, I'm going to leave that alone, leave that alone. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided, were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. This is a parallel to the church. So what he's saying here is that when they're being led by a cloud, it could be symbolized as the Holy Spirit. When it says that they were baptized, all they're baptized in Moses, it's talking about when we give our life to Christ. One of the things we have to do is baptize in the spirit, baptize ourselves in water as a sign of following Christ. So it's a mirror of, just a, I'm just trying to just show you the parallels between the two. All of them ate the same spiritual food, the word. All of them drank the same spiritual water, the Holy Ghost. All of them drank from the spiritual rock which traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. Mind, this is God's people. God's people. So, in the sense, let's see how he's talking in the same sense regarding the church. It's his, it's his purpose that God doesn't want for us to crave evil things like they did, worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures said, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. 
some, you know, some people in the, you know, the church or anyone, their, their pagan reverie is sometimes social media, sometimes it's shopping, sometimes, or their idolatry could sometimes be pornography, sometimes it could be their disobedience to the word. They have ministers and leaders who speak to them and tell them what to do, but then they want to do their own thing. This is them indulging in things of, people, of, of the world, the disobedience of the world. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, which a lot of people do, as some of them did, and they died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, and then they were destroyed by the destroyer or the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for the church. They were written down to warn us of those who li live at the end of the age. How many believe we live at the end of the age? 1 Corinthians 9, 27. So as a result of all those things, right, we need to do what this scripture says. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So Paul is saying, living his entire life to preach the gospel, if he doesn't get his flesh in check, he'll be, after all he did, imagine the man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he stands before God, and God says, you were disqualified, because you couldn't get your flesh under control. You couldn't control your mouth. You couldn't control your, your love to other people. You couldn't stay away from the things I told you to stay away from. And God is speaking over and over and over and over again. And that's why we see, you know, great leaders fall. Now, the reason why I'm sharing this is because basically everybody in here is going to be a leader in this last age. If you're a part of this church, there's a reason why you're here. So the thing, the reason why I'm sharing this is because I want to make sure that everybody, like Jesus said, is those who endure to the end. So that way you could be saved. It doesn't matter how high you fly, it's how you land. So you don't want to end up trying to be the greatest man of God and then two years later, your name is nowhere to be found because you had some scandal. The devil was able to seduce you to be able to do something to fall. And these things made me weep for years. I just didn't understand how was that possible. If you, if you really follow God and God was telling me disobedience, Trump, obedience trumps the anointing. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 32. Pay attention to this because Paul was writing to the church in Rome. Look at what he was, what he was telling the church in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes the jews first and also the gentile this good news tells us how god makes us right in his sight this is accomplished from start to finish by faith as the scripture says it is through faith that a righteous person has life verse 18 but god showed his anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So he's talking about, again, remember what Jesus said in Matthew? He said, 
if you follow me, you will become my, you'll be my disciples indeed. And then if by following Christ is how you end up knowing the truth and the truth makes you free. So in order for you to know the truth, you had to be following Christ at some point. You can't learn the truth without not following him. So he was speaking here regarding those in the church who were being, who were practiced, who was being wicked and sinful. They, they know the truth about God. You can't know the truth about God unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. They know the truth about God, but because he has made, because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen, where am I? I think I lost my, my place. 20. Thanks, Elena. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God. They knew him, but they didn't worship him as God and even give him thanks. So for you to know God, you have to be a believer according to the word because those who don't believe are fools. So for you to actually know who God is, at some point you had to have a relationship with him. So for the fact for you to know God, then you don't worship him as God nor give him thanks. It said that they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, instead they became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to whatever shameful thing their hearts desired. As a result, they, lived, they, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served things created, God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praises. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against their natu the natural way to have sex instead of instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of all kinds of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malice, behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers. They're haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know, listen to this. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them. Two. So this passage of scripture, God is speaking to the church. 
there's people in the church who are living this kind of way and by them living like that they're making other people in the church think it's okay to live that way as well and then what the bible says they have a penalty that is due them Romans chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his, his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Talking to the church again. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sins, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Romans chapter 2, verse 7. He will give eternal life to those who keep doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. So I'm not here trying to do a, a doom and gloom. That's, that's not my purpose. My thing is here is just to really help the church to wake up. Because a lot of people in the church, they are sleeping. When I say sleeping, I'm not talking about they're not praying. I mean, we know that. But they're basically, they know what the Bible says. And they know what the word tells them to do. And they keep living a life, expecting to live a life of victory. But actually, they're becoming victims of the devil. So what, what my heart is this morning is for the church to not take God for granted. Because a lot of people in the church take God for granted. And I'm thinking about, there's a person who gave their life for you. They died for you. They gave you everything. They made you just like them. And they are building a place in eternity for you. Yet, he tells you to stop doing this, stop rebelling, stop being disobedient. And you choose not to listen to what he's saying. I don't get it. I, I, really, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I really don't understand. That, that bothers me. Because, it's, because I'm thinking like, the least you could do is, the least you could, now there's people who have struggles, we understand, and we all have them. I'm talking about people who deliberately know what to do, and then they're basically, it's almost like they're spitting in God's face. Like, I don't want, I don't want to follow you, but I want to call myself a Christian. I'm preaching the word, I'm standing in the pulpit preaching, but my lifestyle is completely different from what I'm preaching. And they think, because nobody sees it, that nobody's watching. So, for the church that who wants to live um, a life, a victorious life, a life that honors God. And I think what the Lord is trying to do in this season, God was telling um, some my brother this week. I said, I really believe like what God is trying to get the church back to is back to, the, back to um, having the fear of God in your heart. Loving God like as if there's no tomorrow. That there's nothing that matters versus you serving God and being obedient to what he tells you to do. And to be honest, you know, I was talking with my wife the other day, and I was telling her, you know, like, when I was, like, 20, you know, 2021, 20, like, there'll be days, man, I'll be crying, 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 because I'm like, you know, it's like God kept telling me, leave this alone, get away from that. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. I used to cry. I'm like, man, can I have a life? I can't have no life. I'm 21 years old. I can't do nothing. I can't go outside. I can't, you know, that's what I was thinking. I can't go outside. I can't, I, I can't play. I can't do nothing. He's like, 
but it wasn't it wasn't that you know sometimes we over exaggerate but the truth was that there was a lot of things I loved to do because before I was a gamer like I loved playing video games I used to game all day Ralph would tell you Mozart would tell you like I would just be gaming playing games all day long boom 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 then all of a sudden I started like having this negative feeling about doing it I'm like okay Lord I don't go outside I don't go to the mall I don't do anything this is all I do to get my escape and he was just like yeah nah you know cut it off so what happened was that i sold i sold my first game right i had a, at the time this was, i had a ps3 so i sold it and then um a couple months later um i was like you know what i've been doing right spiritually maybe the lord's telling me to buy another one right <laughs> so i went and i bought myself another ps3 and i was playing i'm telling you the truth in christ i asked my wife there was a storm that happened right and lightning struck on the house boom no, there was nothing in the house power went out or, or, or got destroyed except for the game. <laughs> nothing else but just the game. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I need to stop, stop playing video games. That's nothing else in the house. The game just, just boom, just blew. I was like, okay, all right. So I stopped, so I stopped playing the game. But... There's just, you know, there's just a lot that God is calling us, you know, calling us as a family to do because we, we, have, a, we have a lot of work to do. And, you know, we're, we're a small bunch here right now. We know we're a small bunch, but I think the big thing is God wants for us to really just kind of have each other's back, you know, especially, you know, because a lot of times some of us do suffer in silence. We deal with a lot of pain and a lot of struggles, and we look at certain people and put them on a pedestal in our hearts sometimes, but don't and think they're all good, but don't know sometimes they may need a call, they may need a help, you know, they may need just to hang out, just just to check on them. So just be sensitive to those things. Sometimes you might be sitting and God might tell you, reach out to this person. Like don't don't um, sit on that. Just reach out to them because the enemy is coming after this remnant because of the fact that we're trying to do things the right way. We're trying to get back to what Pastor Oath always say, the ancient things. We're trying to get back to following the Lord with all our hearts and dying completely to our flesh. So just make sure you do that. Um, all right, so how do we maintain, so after all the things that I wrote, what I shared, how do we maintain a perfect heart, heart for God, you know, in the midst of our, our home? And when I say our home, I'm talking about this church because this is our church home. So we're a family. We're all brothers and sisters in here. So, you know, Jesus said in the scripture, he said that the enemies of your house, the enemies, Jesus said that the enemies of a man who follows him will be some, sometimes even those in his own household. So in a sense, he's saying that there's some people that who might be against you that's also in the church, in, in, in your household. That's why you could see like how Pastor Otha could do something and then there'll be somebody who'll be, um, you know, backbiting or slandering him, saying, oh, you know, why are you doing this? You know, you, you know, you're, you know, it doesn't take that much, blah, blah, blah. But they're in the same household. You, you know, we're all of the same family. So I think what God is really trying to help us to understand is know that people in your own household, not just in your personal household, in the church that you're a part of, they might start rising up against you because they'll get offended because they don't understand what God is doing in your heart in that season and what God is trying to navigate you towards. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just making sure that we understand that. 
I'm not telling. I'm not trying to tell you to look all over your shoulder like there's somebody watching me. And I ain't telling you to do that, but just be sensitive. Like peop, there's there's gonna be people who's gonna come in here and they're gonna try to turn you away from the things of God. And I'm speaking from experience. Cause when I first was here at the, at, the, at the ministry, there used to be a bunch of people who would come to me and try to convince me that I'm not supposed to be here. Like would try to convince me that see, see, I don't know if I don't say it right. A lot of people will come and try to tell me that you're not, to, you know, like, Pastor is this way, he's this, he's that, you know, get away from him, you know, blah, 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 you know, he's prideful, he's this, or whatever. I mean, you know, everybody has some level of something, but they were trying to get me off course. Now, had I would have left, because the, the thing was, when I first started, to, when I first came here, the thing that drew me here was, when I first came, Pastor was preaching that message that we are God's message. And when I first heard that message, the way that it hit me was how was the presence that I only feel in my private time. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that presence anywhere else. So that was like, yeah, God, God can't use an unjust or unholy man to minister truth. Because Jesus said in his word, a good tree cannot bear good, a bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So how could this man give us fruit? from um to feed our spirit but he's a bad tree you know it doesn't make sense so it took i just waited and waited and waited and people just kept talking to us for years go leave go go you know you don't belong here leave 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 and i waited had i had i had i would have left this church if i wasn't sensitive if i didn't know god for myself if i didn't if i wasn't sensitive i would have never met my wife i would have never had my daughter I would have never been a minister. I wouldn't be standing here before you, and I would have never went to Nigeria, where I received an impartation there. So the thing, the thing that I guess is, the, is that we need to understand is that there will be people who's going to rise up in, in, the midst, in the church, in his, God's own house, who have ill wills. They are agents of wickedness trying to deconstruct the road that God has prepared for you. So be sensitive to protect yourself by one, retaining a robust spirit through power, love, and discipline. Second Timothy one through seven, one and seven. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, which we just read about in Corinthians thirteen, and a spirit of self-discipline. The next point, how do you protect yourself from being swayed in these last days? Because the devil knows he can't get you with people outside, you know, because a lot of us here are maturing. He can't get us with people outside at our jobs and things like that. He's going to start trying to use people in the church to try to get you off track. That's his last thing. You saw throughout the whole New Testament, that was the beef that um, Paul had. Everybody was turning against him. Everybody wanted to fight him. This person just bridged off and did their own thing because they didn't want to listen to what he was saying. It was just division and beef inside the house of God. And I think God is just trying to help us to get prepared for that. Because when the ministry starts growing, so do the sons of uh, wickedness too. Second thing, remain patient, trusting God, in, trusting God during the perceived downtimes in life. If we could be patient in a moment of anger or temptation, rather than react or jump into it, you can escape a hundred days of sorrow. So being patient in a moment 
can cause you to escape a hundred days of sorrow. My next point, be disciplined. Find out from God where your boundaries, where your boundary lines are in life and purpose yourself never to cross it. So if God, find out, okay, Lord, you're calling me to do X, Y, and Z. Show me, show me through your word my boundary lines. You know, of course, you don't want to end up getting to the boundary and sticking your foot over to the other side to just, you know, just to be sinning. But what you want to do is find out from God where your, where your boundary is. What are you supposed to do? What's your purpose? So that way you could be able to stick within that, you know, that confine. Am I making sense or am I going too fast? All right. The next point, keep your life from being corrupted by the ways of the world. So everyone in here, don't worry about being misunderstood. People will always misunderstand your intentions, even your own family. They'll always misunderstand you. But what you should be concerned is, is rather being disturbed when, you're constant, when you constantly can't understand what God is teaching you or what he's saying to you through his word, through signs and leaders. So don't be worried about being misunderstood by people. Be concerned about not understanding. Finally, believe in yourself. And we don't hear that a lot in the church because people would say, you know, if, you know, for you to believe in yourself, that's pride, brother, that's pride. No, because you got to have some kind of level of confidence to be able to hear what God is saying and to be able to obey what he's saying. So believe that God can use you to change your generation and to do great works. Too many of us think of ourselves too sm- I'm going to share with you how God gave it to me. Too much of us think that we are too small to make an impact. If that's the truth, then we should just ask the mosquito. We've seen his impact this tiny creature had on humanity throughout the years. So never think that you're too small. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Be genuine and be sincere. Be yourself. For nothing is worse than than a failed copy. I've learned that all people are the same except for their belief in themselves, despite what other people think of them. So everybody has the the thing that what differentiates one man from the next is his belief, is what he believes, not just in God, but what he believes about what God said about him, his identity. The more he sees himself as God or like God is the more that God will be able to use him because God that's why he says, come and reason with me. The more you reason with God is the more you start to see things his way. All right, so that's really all I had to share. I just wanted to um, just ask you all just to lift your hands as we just really just ask God for grace to just help us to not be turned away from the truth in these last days, that we will be sensitive to what he's doing in this season and that we would not fail by being deterred by people who are being raised up in the, in the body of Christ or by the enemy, counterfeit sheep to make us be led astray. Just ask God to give you a heart 
that you would not grow weary in doing good things and being obedient, that you can have a heart to sacrifice and give up what you need to give up. Because we all know, you know, because we all know that there are many, you know, there are many strategies to get to the top of a mountain, but the purpose of it is just for everybody's view should be the same. And in our case, we all have different callings and purposes in Christ, but all our view should be is to get everybody to know who Christ is through our lifestyle. 